Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Ooh, I still get goosebumps when I hear that opening, and you're going to hear from the gentleman whose voice is the opening of our show, because he's one of my panelists today. Welcome to our 2020 Prediction Special. This is Part 5. We've been doing this since early December, and we are giving you predictions from almost, almost 60 thought leaders around the world. So let me do my usual opening, and then we'll get started. So we've all heard the David Bowie song, Changes, Ch-ch-ch-changes, Turn and Face the Strange. If you're hoping to gaze into a beautiful crystal ball magical to see what 2020 holds for your company your industry your career and the world we've got the next best thing today and it's january 15 2020 and from december 4th 11th 18th and january 8th we are bringing you thought leaders covering the exciting technology strategies and trends that can help you and your company grow and compete better this year and beyond i'm calling this decade the new roaring 20s i may be the only one but i think it's cool so poor a cup of joe or earl if you've got any leftover bubbly from new year's eve that's fine and join us for technology revolution the future of now 2020 crystal ball predictions part five live and together hey the future of now hasn't happened yet let's make 2020 our collective best year ever first up i have three panelists on this we call this predictions on steroids and that's why i'm talking fast let me tell you who my three experts are here and then we'll hear their predictions first up you'll be hearing from moji igun she spells her last name I-G-U-N, the founder of Blue Daisy, D-A-I-S-I Consulting. It's a sustainability consulting company that gives small business owners the tools and resources to reduce waste and implement sustainable practices. She has professional experience as an engineer, educator, and in the commercial construction industry, a renaissance woman. Joining her on this segment, J. Paul Duplantis, the founder of Emergent Web, that's one word, dot org. He is also the marketing and comms director for a motorcycle dealership group called Arizona Kawasaki, Kawasaki Inc. And he is a commentator on the intersection of tech and human interest through his blog, EmergentWeb.org. Rounding out this segment, Michael Bernard. We're so happy to have him. Chief Tax Officer and Transition Tax for Vertex. He provides insight and thought leadership around tax department operations, U.S. indirect tax, hot topic, tax risk management, tax policy. They all have tax in them, of course, and emerging tax trends. He's an executive level tax attorney with a diverse portfolio of experience. Welcome to the three of you. Moji Igon, I'm so thrilled that you're kicking off part five for me. Go ahead. What are your predictions? Three minutes, all yours. Thanks again for having me, Bonnie. Both of my predictions today have to do with the future of sustainability in business. So my first prediction is that companies are going to invest in sustainability just like they have been in social media in recent years. If you're not on social media right now, you're kind of behind the times. So, and you can't just be on it. You need a strategy that's tailored fit to specifically fit your company to be most effective. So I see the same exact thing happening with sustainability over the next decade. It has been shown to reduce costs over time. It can have other benefits like increased employee retention, increased productivity, and an improved brand image. So it's good all around. 
Um, there are so many aspects of sustainability to focus on from reducing waste, which is what I focus on, conserving energy, protecting water, or addressing any of the United Nations sustainable development goals. And according to a study by Accenture, more than two out of every three CEOs surveyed believe that businesses can play a critical role in moving the needle towards a more sustainable world. However, only about half of them have sustainability integrated into their businesses. So there's a big opportunity there. I predict that more business leadership teams are going to invest in sustainability initiatives that encourage collaboration across all departments and will result in more impactful economical ecological, and social outcomes. So that's my first prediction. My Mm -hmm. second one is about plants. So I see that plant-based menus are going to evolve from a trend to an expectation, and eventually by the end of the decade, I think it's going to be the norm. It seems like vegetarian, vegan, plant-based diets have not really been the norm until recently, but with big brands that are global, like Burger King, offering products like the Impossible Burger mm-hmm. or even um, plant-based chicken nuggets on the menu, I can <laughs> predict that we'll see plant-based menu items um, from fast food chains all the way up to fine dining restaurants. Um, I believe just this week, Panera Bread stated that they're going to make their menus about 50% meatless, so we can already see this trend starting to catch on with mainstream brands. And um, according to the EPA... Agriculture, forestry, and land use are accounting for over a quarter of global carbon emissions. So I predict that in the next decade, in order to drastically reduce carbon footprint, businesses in the food industry are going to embrace plants a lot more. Moji, I love your predictions, and my drum teacher uh, just told me that he thought the Impossible Burger was fantastic. I haven't had red meat in, I'm going to say, more than 30 years. I'm not going to tell you how many more. And I'm wondering if I should tempt myself with an Impossible, but I'll let you know. Thank you. Great predictions. J. Paul Duplantis, you're up next. Three minutes. What do you see in the crystal ball at Emergent Web? Go ahead. Well, uh, it's all centers around automation as far as what I'm seeing for 2020, which I, I really do feel, I would tell my son that I think we're in the future. <laughs> the, the year 2020, it pretty much well just declares that to me. So the first one is a driverless tech. So a, a month ago, Elon Musk predicted that Tesla will have one million robo-taxis on the road by mm. the end of 2020. I think, again, he's being a little bit overly, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, uh, which is a little bit too much, but... Uh, no matter what, we're going to start to see more of these autonomous vehicles around us every day. So I live in, I work in Mesa, Arizona, and I see the Waymo, Google Waymo cars. Uh, they're building a 85,000-square-foot service center here in, in Mesa um, to support these cars. So they're all over the place. They still have uh, a person in the, in the driver's seat, but I've heard of stories that they're actually people in the uh, all passenger seat as well. So, um, and then also in Scottsdale, Arizona, there's Neuro. I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, that they're no. delivering food for fries in Scottsdale. Mm. And uh, so it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big push here. It's, it's not, it, especially in transportation, transporting goods, trucks, things like that over the next couple of years. But I, I think we'll look back at 2020 will be a, a, a really major year for driverless tech. Uh, my next one is going to be the robots are going to be among us. <laughs> I've been a fan mm. of robots since I was a small kid. And mm-hmm. I just see 2020 as being the, the year, and it's going to be more or less built around utility. So uh, Walmart announced they're going to add another 650 stores um, for robots, adding a, totaling 1,000 stores that will have uh, robots on the floors man- helping manage inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if you saw this, a robot digit from um, Ford, from Agility Robotics. 
It's a green robot that comes out of a van and uh, delivers packages. Uh, some of that's a little futuristic, but it looks like Ford is actually going to implement that into their um, one of their warehouses. And then the uh, night scope security robot. It looks like R2-D2 is going to be around patrolling uh, areas for security. <laughs> and then my last one is QR codes, quick response codes. Uh-huh. You know those uh, matrix barcodes that look like Orsex tests on a stamp? Um, I just did an event for Triumph Motorcycles, and we literally scanned in 184 people within 13 minutes using QR codes. It was so incredibly amazing to me. So we're going to start to see these everywhere. It's been around for 15 years, but uh, you're going to, as AR glasses hit and things like that, uh, you're going to start to see QR codes everywhere to help provide context. Thank you very much. I just noticed, I just checked on the Walmart robots, and apparently Freddie, um, Freddie was let go for nervous breakdowns and needed retraining. Oh, my goodness. So they're, 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 I've always wondered, how do you pick the vacation dates for, for robots in your workforce? Oh, exactly. That's a whole other show. Jay Paul, you and I are going to talk about putting a show together about robots in the workforce. We'll do it in February. Are you game? You good? Okay. Sounds Love good. It. Sounds good. Love it. Michael Bernard at Vertex, you're up. Tax, 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 tax. Talk to me, Michael. Three minutes. What do you have to tell us? I hope it's good news. Uh, some of it is, Bonnie. But, uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about a, a number of areas here. First of all, on the federal side, I think most of your uh, listeners know that there was a big tax act, act in, uh, ta- uh, passed in 2017. Uh, we're not going to see any movement this year. As you know, it's an election year. So, uh, and between the presidential candidates you know, for the Democrats and the Republicans, uh, two very different approaches to taxes. So that anything that comes out of the federal side is going to really be on hold until after the election. Um, on the state side is where you're really going to see some movement because it's an election year. You're going to see a number of ballot initiatives. Uh, we're tracking anywhere from about 150 to over 200 ballot initiatives that are going to show up for the voters in various states. There's five big areas where those uh, initiatives are going to show up. Uh, marijuana laws continue to, to dominate the conversation, guns rights, uh, health care as a right. And then the last two, which really go to uh, businesses, is education funding and transportation funding. Mm-hmm. As you know, Bonnie, the, the economy has been doing quite well, and uh, employers are competing for talent. And so in their areas, they really need to have a really robust public um, education system and a transportation system that can get their uh, uh, employees to and from their businesses. So there's going to be a lot of investment in that. Voters will be asked to um, to actually fund those things. Most of the ballot initiatives will be set by June and then be ready for the uh, fall election. The other place, too, where you're going to see quite a bit of, of movement is in marketplaces. So for amp places like Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, eBay, big platforms that collect mm-hmm. in sales tax, more burdens are going to be placed upon them to collect all of these sales taxes due to the Wayfair decision. So there'll be a lot of activity spent around that. I'd also like to uh, uh, talk about two other things. Uh, IT, mm-hmm. as we saw this last year, a lot of companies will continue to invest in their IT. Uh, one thing I think that um, is going to take more energy this year is that you're going to see more ERP systems and business applications move to the cloud. As you know, large organizations have been built around these on-premise um, um, uh, systems, and so now they're going to actually be moving these things more to the cloud uh, so that uh, chief information officers can spend their time on other things. And then lastly, on uh, as it relates to tariffs and investment in the U.S., 
we saw where uh, foreign investment into the U.S. slowed, uh, particularly from the middle of 2019 till now. Until the election's over, it, uh, we're not going to see a pickup in investment. And the reason is uh, because of the uncertainty of it. But it behooves foreign investors who have large U.S. Um, uh, customers here, Texas, mm-hmm. do their manufacturing in the U.S. We'll see what happens uh, once the election's over. Those are my predictions, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Yes, once it's over, that's something we're all holding our breath about here in the U.S. I want to thank the three of you, but before I let you go, I want to know, what was your favorite beverage over the holidays, and or was there something very special coming out of the chiller on New Year's Eve? Moji, Igun, you want to share a favorite beverage with us quickly? Yes, so mine was very interesting. It's a chai beer. So it's chai, hot chai tea, and hot cider mixed together. Very good. Chider, very interesting. I've never heard that yeah. one. I knew I could count on you for something interesting. J. Paul Duplantis, were you on a motorcycle on New Year's Eve, and what were you drinking or not? <laughs> no, no, because I was drinking. I would not be on a motorcycle while I was drinking. But uh, Thank you. Mine's pretty simple. Stella Artois, I just love that beer. Real simple, light, and uh, just a great, a great go-to for beer. Thank you very much. Michael Bernard, what was in your cup, your flute, your goblet, your thermos, your stein? What were you drinking on New Year's? Uh, Our family really enjoys eggnog, Bonnie, with just a little cinnamon on top. So that was our drink. Did you put any rum in it for the grown-ups? I I hesitate to ask, but I asked. (laughs) No, we didn't. No, just, just straight up. Well, I will tell you, Michael, that Harris Teeter, I'm in Durham, and Harris Teeter Supermarket has the most fantastic light eggnog, and I force myself to buy not too many of those quarts and not to drink too many a day, but it's a great way to start the morning with a swig right out of the carton, and it's they say it's light, but I don't know how much damage it did, and it's it was absolutely fabulous. No rum for me either. Thank you, Moji Igun at Blue Daisy Consulting. Thank you, J. Paul Duplantis at EmergentWeb.org. Thank you, Michael Bernard, Chief Tax Officer, Transition transaction tax for Vertex. I wish you all a happy new year. Let's talk again soon. Let's get you back here on Tech Rev. And I'm going to say goodbye to you. And we have got uh, Aaron. I think we're just going to keep going. I have my panelists for the second segment up. So we're going to say goodbye to the first three and welcome the next two. And I'm going to read their bios right now. So we're welcoming back. And by the way, to my listeners, everybody on these prediction specials has appeared on one of my radio shows during the previous year. They were either on a Game Changer show or they were here on Tech Rev the future of now, just so you know. And that's how they got on this very special invitation list. So next up, we're going to be getting predictions from Julio Viscovich, a sales and marketing professor, I'm impressed, at Thompson Rivers University. He is the owner of Next Level Sales, that's N-E-X-L-E-V-E-L Sales, and a former sales trainer for Hootsuite and Microsoft Canada. He was named by Forbes.com as one of the top 30 social selling influencers in the world. And he wrote the book, The Tweet guide to social sales available on Amazon. Joining him in this segment, we have Stacia Sherman-Gar. She's the co-founder and principal analyst at Red Thread Research. Stacia is a researcher and thought leader on talent management, leadership, DNI diversity and inclusion, people analytics, and HR tech. She is a writer and a speaker, and her work has been featured in Fortune, Forbes, and the New York Times, among others. She worked previously at Burson by Deloitte. So welcome to Julio and Stacia. Julio, you're up first. I've got oh, a little more than we can take four minutes for you because we only have two of you in this segment. So Julio, Happy New Year, and tell me what's on your mind for your predictions. Happy New Year, Bonnie. It's great to Thanks. be back. And, yes. Uh, 
obviously lots is going to happen in uh, 2020 and going forward, um, especially around the innovation and, and the spend that's going into the technology these days. Uh, based on, you know, whatever study you're looking at, it's about an estimated, I don't know, 75 to 80 percent of content uh, that's created by marketing today is pretty much unused by sales. That's a lot of wasted time and energy and a ton of uh, missed opportunities, obviously. So I was to say, uh, quoting one of my favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. I think marketers in 2020 are you know, finally reaching the tipping point of what we're going to call uh, scalable hyper-personalization, which is you know, largely due to the advancement in technology, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are going to come together and integrate uh, with each other, I feel, this year. Um, that's a big thing for me, and I think, you know, we're going to look towards companies like Netflix and Amazon, the way they've built their recommendation uh, engines and how they're so amazing. They know what we want to buy next. They know what movie we want to see next. Um, we're going to bring those in to the B2B setting somehow, mm-hmm. and the way that we're going to do that, I feel, is through investing into different things. I think we're going to see companies start to have what we'll call education teams uh, that will be putting together how-to instructional videos, thought leadership content, um, tons of stuff in video form. So basically anything that is going to be delivered to the customer based on their specific needs, their intent, their funnel stage, um, and it's going to be much more hyper-personalized that way. So I think right now, you know, we're all used to account data. We know, you know, what accounts we're going at. We have the first-party engagement data of, you know, what those folks are doing on our website. We use LinkedIn to find contact data. But this year, I really think the focus is going to be on intent data. So identifying which accounts are researching particular solutions or um, leveraging uh, data platforms that are going to be using predictive models to actually help us better identify accounts um, for business, as well as more investment into that insight data through third-party vendors that might be able to provide a little bit of intelligence, um, in-depth sales profiles of target accounts, um, all things that will take a lot of manual research, I think. And I don't know, to sort of wrap things up, I'd probably say, you know, to make this recipe all come together, it's mm-hmm. going to be a really large data-driven approach that's going to be personalized for each account that you're working on, each person at every touch point along the buyer's journey. And if we can do this properly, we're going to end up with much higher engagement, more customers, larger pipelines, and like everybody wants at the end of the day, larger account wins. Thank you very much, Julio. My only question for you is where does, when this predictive, as you say, like uh, Netflix and Amazon think they know what we want next, if you bring this into B2B, will there be this sense of uh, a, a loss of perhaps corporate privacy in terms of how do they know what we're looking for? How how do these these salespeople, how do these companies know what kinds of system we're looking for, we're looking for, what kind of software we need, what we're planning in our corporate uh, corporate execution pipeline for the coming year, what we want to do and what we need. Are there, will there be any, any intrusion there or will it all be on the up and up and really legitimate? Just a question. Well, I think it'll be all in the up and up and, and legitimate. I think we'll see a lot more companies come out uh, that 
haven't previously existed that are um, predictive companies that are going to go out and really do annual research on these accounts and basically provide prediction scores uh, on companies that are looking to buy certain solutions. Uh, And if you invest in those platforms, Mm -hmm. I think that's the way that we can get that predictive model, the way that Netflix and Amazon does it so well. It will change everything in terms of sales. Thank you, Julio. Love your predictions. Stacia Sherman-Gar, welcome. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Bonnie. I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking. I can't wait for your predictions from Red Thread Research. What do you see in the crystal ball for 2020 and or beyond? Stacia? Yeah. So in some ways, I'm I'm building on what Julia was saying a moment ago when we're talking about the impact of some of the new technologies, uh, natural language processing and sentiment analysis, AI, et cetera. But instead, looking at that as it applies to individuals and their careers and then uh, applying that even more broadly to what organizations are doing. So my prediction is we're going to see a lot more personalized coaching technology coming to Hmm. the market here in the next few years. And it's going to be be things that both people buy for themselves as well as organizations buy for their um, employees. So the way that this works is um, these technologies are using digital exhaust. So the digital um, remnants of things that we do online to provide people with feedback about their behavior. So um, this tends to, to be in three three areas that we're seeing it currently. So one is around um, feedback on your communication styles, um, also feedback on team dynamics that are happening within an organization. And then a third one is on diversity and inclusion. And so what's mm-hmm. happening with diverse talent with regard to how they're being included. Uh, so what this looks like, there's there's three ways right now that we're seeing. So one tends to be phone-based feedback or listening to voices and conversation. So this could be technology that listens into your meetings, for instance, and it could give you feedback that says, you know, hey, Stacia, you spoke 70% of the time and your team only spoke 30% of the time. Is that the dynamic you want? Or it can even listen in and give you feedback on the type of communication. Are you being really direct? Are you being passive? Uh, That kind of information. And then you can use that to uh, adjust your meetings or your communication style. So that's one. Um, Mm -hmm. A second one has to do with uh, email. So going in, and we can talk about the creepiness because I'm sure you'll, or the concern that we might have (laughs) on that, because I'm sure you'll have that. Um, But but what it will (laughs) do... Honey, I'm listening to you. I know. (laughs) I love Um, this. (laughs) What it'll do is it'll go in, and usually it's an opt-in by the employee, and the employer actually cannot see this uh, this feedback. But the employee will go in and and say, "I want you to look at uh, the how I'm communicating with people who are on my team, and give Mm -hmm. me feedback on you know how responsive am I? Do if you send me an email, do I get back to you relatively quickly? (laughs) Um, Do I tend to send emails after hours, which we know can have a big negative impact on uh, work-life balance and stress and and the rest of that? Right. Um, And then you know other things like. Do I tend to respond to certain types of people more quickly than others, and does that make sense, which is where that diversity and inclusion perspective. And then finally, um, we're seeing it also within Slack and Teams. So uh, being able to look at the communications and the type of culture that's being created as a result of those constant uh, discussions that are happening, you know, are, are there things that might be indicating bullying or not listening to each other or, you know, different types of communication styles. So that information is increasingly being wrapped up and being delivered back to both 
of employees um, and then to some extent to employers to help people um, be better managers, be more effective, including others, et cetera. So that's what I see happening this year. I think in the future, we're going to see this extend to um, more broader sets of skills, so not just communications, team dynamics, and DNI, but instead also to you know this massive problem we have in our country around reskilling the workforce. So I think we're going to start to see there be much more um, uh, in the flow of work assessment of how people are doing, and in ways that we can actually build people's skills based on digital exhaust. I love it. And, and Stacia, we have a couple of extra minutes here, um, and my panelists for the next segment aren't on yet. I looked up digital exhaust. I've never heard that. I think we used to call them breadcrumbs, something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. And I found an article in the Security Ledger, uh, let's see, actually today, and it says digital no, this is from March 2015. Digital exhaust may be the biggest Internet of Things worry. That was an article in Wired. And it says digital exhaust mm-hmm. emitted by IoT, Internet of Things technologies, may pose the biggest risk to personal privacy and security, a researcher warns. Do you agree with that? Um, I think like anything, if it's used poorly, it, it could certainly mm-hmm. be, be a concern. I think that it can be used well, though. Okay. We have a little bit of time here, and so I want to just, let me see, we have about three minutes left to this segment. Uh, let's take our time here. Julio, any comments on what Stacia shared? Interesting because it came up. We, in, we t- I talked with you about that privacy issue for B2B with this new predictive, and it comes down, I think both of you said it comes down to used well, used properly, I'm going to say used ethically. Julio, any comments on this digital exhaust well, definitely as far as, you know, the privacy issue, that's going to be a big, big thing um, for these companies, right? Um, we can see a ton of, you know, stuff going on with Facebook these days. Um, people are running away from the platform because they're afraid of privacy. The key for these companies to succeed is doing things ethically, and I think that's, you know, the, mm-hmm. the goal that we're going to have to focus on um, out of the gate. Um, without that, it's yeah. not, not going to go anywhere, personally. Uh, the hyper-personalization yep. requires data, big data, but that big data needs to be collected ethically, and that's the name of the game. No more uh, of these, uh, you know, stealing data and whatnot like we've seen with Cambridge Analytica. We've got to do yep. things ethically. If we do that, we're going to succeed, and we'll have the data that we need to hyper-personalize our uh, communications. Thank you both. Interesting. Yeah. So and we can say, can go I, ahead, Stacia. We have a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Can I add to that? Yeah, because because I, I completely agree. The ethical use of this data, the collection and then the use of it is really important. The other component that's really important, though, is giving the data back to employees so that they see value from it. So there was a study done by Accenture uh, about this time last year that showed that when employees get some value out of what's being done with their data, they are way less concerned about it being collected because ultimately, at least in for my prediction, this data is collected within an employer's uh, walls, if you will, so the data technically mm-hmm. belongs to them. But employees are less sensitive to, this, to the security privacy issue if they understand what's being collected and they themselves get value out of it. So I think yes. we need to stop thinking about this is just stuff for a company, but it's really stuff to make employees better and the company better. 
Thank you both. I'm glad we had a thread here. I have to tell my listeners that I send out hundreds of invitations for these prediction specials and whoever RSVPs first hopefully gets their first choice on which segment, which date. We've done this for five weeks and I never know who's going to be in a particular segment. We don't match it by topic and I love the interaction here. So Julio Viscovich, quickly, what did you have at New Year's Eve that you absolutely loved for drinking? What did you drink? <laughs> well, I hate to be so traditional, but at this time of year, it's rum and eggnog, but it requires freshly ground nutmeg and cinnamon. And Ooh, he's that a is just my purist. Oh, I love that. Stacia, what did you have on New Year's Eve? Anything special? Uh, we had a wonderful mulled cider. Um, some friends of ours have a farm, actually, in Middleburg, Virginia. I know you're in that rough region of the world. I'm in Durham, and, right? Uh, they give out a mulled cider. Yeah, so they give out a mulled uh, cider mix, and we made that this year, and it was amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Julio Viscovich and Stacia Sherman-Gar. I invite both of you to stay in touch with me. Let's get you back here on Tech Rev, the future of now in 2020. Love to do more expansion on these topics. You'll help me put panels together. So email me and, and let's see what we can do to get this to happen in Q1. I'm, I have some open dates. Thank you both. I'm going to say goodbye to both of you, and I'm going to welcome my panelists for the next segment. So coming up, we have Tiago Bala at Deloitte Consulting. He's a senior management manager. He is an experienced leader with over 20 20 years of business and IT consulting. He focuses on business planning, consolidation, and financial transformation projects. And he has architected, I love that verb, and delivered several financial transformation solutions that have met the needs of enterprise-wide strategic goals. Joining him on this segment is Autumn Shelton. She is a partner and CFO of Autumn Brands. Get this, everyone, a 50% woman-owned cannabis business located in what she calls sunny coastal Carpinteria, Santa Barbara County, California. Autumn has spent almost four years navigating the uncharted water of California's medical marijuana collective model and the newly legal cannabis industry. She champions the health and wellness benefits of cannabis. And she is also, she walks the greenhouses on her cannabis farm to check on the ladies. We'll find out about that. And not joining us us, but I have predictions from this third panelist here, Nilly Asades, Senior Director of Finance and EPM Research at the Advisory Practice of the Hackett Group. Nilly's been on many times during the year. She sent me her predictions. She's in Israel with family right now, and so I'm going to read those. So, Tiago Bala, welcome. I have three minutes for your predictions. What do you see in the crystal ball for 2020? Tiago, go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having mm -hmm. me. Delighted. So, uh, in... In 2020, I predict that they're going to be seeing a lot of intelligent automation and human-machine collaboration. I'd like to, first of all, to just a quickly walk through about the evolution of the automation. So if you think about like a few years ago, I would say like a few decades ago, I call that as era one, the manual execution age. I'm sure we all have seen them, mm -hmm. mostly manual process with people gathering, compiling, manipulating data, publishing, printing reports, even physically distributing reports, right? Then we moved on to the next era I would call as a tactical or automation age, which we are currently living in to some extent, right? There are several automation happening at work, and we also see that in our daily life. Like we call them as digital tools, digital apps. I'm sure most of you will be using an either an iPhone or an Android phone. How do you think you can use a Google Maps or an iPhone Maps? It's calculating the data. It's just like several 
data points, what's your official speed limit, road type, fee covers, and collaborating with the real-time traffic information. With that, you get what is your ETA from point A to point B. Now, in the 2020, we are moving into the age of width. What I mean by that is humans with machines. Um, many factories or manufacturing facilities are turning them into smart factories. Mm. So we had the technologies which talk to mission to mission, but now we have technologies and automation process or a cognitive computing, which is talking from mission to mission and also mission to human communication along with cognitive technologies, which helps them to predict when your machine or equipment will go down or when you should actually do a predictive maintenance on that one. It helps a huge way for them to make actual decisions or a timely replacement of everything so they can have a load downtime at any manufacturing facility. I mean, there are several examples I can talk about. So that's what I'm talking about, right? So mm -hmm. more about not just having a separate automated process doing the monotonous things, combining the workforce along with humans and along with the machines, that's what the intelligent automation falls in. If you do it correctly, the intelligent automation can drive the business process with speed and extreme precision. You're going to be seeing a huge trend, um, especially in the 2020 and the upward. A lot of organizations are going to embrace this opportunity to automate your process and promote human mission collaboration. We have to be a bit open-minded mm -hmm. um, to see our workforce in office or even in our personal life that we're going to see more of digital workers. It might sound crazy. At some point, you're going to start seeing organization charts with real human names. Alongside, you're going to be seeing 10 or 15 digital workers. They'll be considered like a real worker along with a human. The key is finding the fine line, how to automate the process, and when to actually mission should do, and when it has to be passed over to the human so that uniquely skills needed some certain task can be handled to human. That's what I'm going to be seeing in more on 2020. Thank you very much, Tiago. Wonderful. Very, very interesting. And thank you for sharing your thought leadership. Autumn Shelton, you're next. What do you see? I'm assuming you're going to talk about the cannabis industry. What do we predict, Autumn? <laughs> talk to me. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Thanks for having me on again. Pleasure. Uh, yes, of course. So let's start with federal. Uh, federal policies. I think we will continue to see historical progress in cannabis legislation as it continues to pass with the different government agencies, but we won't see any major legislation such as the State Banking Act or Moore Act passed in 2020. There are just too many distractions and changes occurring with the impeachment trial and election this year. Uh, same kind of issue with states legalizing. There are currently 11 recreational and 33 medical states. Uh, with this presidential election coming up, it's going to take a lot of political concentration this year, but we should see a handful of new states legalized in one way or another. New York, Arizona, Florida should hopefully all go recreational, and Idaho and South Dakota should go medical. medical. Uh, less growth, more profits. So many cannabis businesses built themselves on the model of bigger is better, spending enormous amounts of money, usually investors' money, where they shouldn't have. They all assume the regulated market would have a greater grasp on the black market, more retailers would be licensed, and more local municipalities would be open to a regulated cannabis market. 
But unfortunately, none of those are true at the moment. We saw so many companies that appeared to be doing well because of large investors, but in reality, profits were non-existent, and last year they had to either downsize or shut their doors. Mm. So, the, so the focus will definitely be getting profitable and stop growing until we get to that point. In California, we saw a big reduction in cultivation licenses from 2018 to 2019 as we transitioned from temporary licenses to annual licenses. And now we'll see a lot of brands that don't have a cultivation or a dispensary license struggle to compete with those that do. The costs and taxes in this industry are tremendous. So you have to be able to control at least one part of the market to really stay afloat as a brand. So let's get to the cannabis plan itself. There are three key parts, strains, terpenes, and cannabinoids. Strains. So dessert strains such as lava cake and vanilla frosting are going to continue to be hot in 2020. At Autumn Brands, we currently have wedding cake, which sells out in a day. So really, from what we see, is a con- yeah. From really what we see, the consumer just likes to try something new. We have about 20 new strains we will debut throughout 2020. So coming up, get ready for it. I just love the, all these strain names. We have Mandarin Glue, Space Fruit OG, and Bordeaux. Um, terpenes. Terpenes will become it. more recognized. Yeah. Brands will use it more in their packaging, and consumer will start to understand how beneficial and important terpenes truly are. People have become familiar with if it's a sativa or indica type of plant, which determines if it makes you a little more creative or a little more carefree. But terpenes really are also the key component that really help determine how it makes you feel, just kind of like essential oils can really change the mood and, and energy mm-hmm. of, of what you're doing. Cannabinoids. There are over 100 cannabinoids in a cannabis plant, and only two that are getting recognition are THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. But that's all about the change. We will see more information coming out in regards to other cannabinoids, such as THCV and THCA, that are naturally present rather than THC and CBD that are activated when it's heated up. So if you recall, when I, um, in our last call, you, know, you don't really get high unless the plant actually gets heated up. You, t- you, don't, get, you don't get that euphoric feeling just by eating the plant. We will also understand more about how the different cannabinoids interact and how they affect us at different levels. It has been thought that the high levels of THC will make you higher, but in reality, it's the total cannabinoids and the percentage of each cannabinoid that determines the strength and length of the high. (laughs) You could have a product with extremely high THC, but low overall cannabinoids, and you won't really get high. Or you'll get high, but not super levels. (laughs) But have a product with low levels of THC, but really, really high overall level of cannabinoids and be truly baked. Um, another aspect that's interesting that we kind of saw last year was outdoor grower brands will have to rethink how they position themselves. The consumer doesn't want cannabis that was cultivated six months or a year ago. They want it fresh, and only greenhouse and indoor growers can really provide that year-round. Last summer, we saw a number of retailers stop taking anything that was packaged more than six months prior due to all these bad reviews online. Mm-hmm. So even large brands had huge orders canceled at the end of the at, at brown summertime last year. So, I mean, it really is tough if you can only provide a product for part of the year to stay consistent with sales and keep that shelf space. The hemp CBD market will continue to boom, but at a slower rate. There will be less companies due to the regulations that the FDA will enforce, mm-hmm. but more retailers will come on board. And consumers will start to do more research into why CBD is all the hype rather than just going and buying it because they heard it was cool. Um, the consumer will start to understand also that higher levels of THC combined with CBD and other cannabinoids that can only be found in dispensaries can actually be more effective for certain ailments such as pain relief. So you'll see more consumers actually testing the waters and walking into dispensaries rather than just ordering CBD online. And also going and talking to bud tenders and really kind of trying to understand what is all this about. Um, and, you know, the key thing as well is understanding that the whole plant of 
which is also known as full spectrum, these type of products are what are really going to be most effective as well, not just a product that says has CBD in it, because that alone is just a minor, minor helping point. <laughs> Autumn, um, we, we need more, to stop here. One more, one more, one more. Go ahead. Thirty oh, seconds. Go ahead. Oh, one more. Okay, I was just going to say. So another big thing that we will see actually in bills um, getting passed through uh, federal legalization is research. You know, we have we, we're legalizing here in all these different states, but we're still set back so far in research on this really key plant that we need to know so much more about. So I think we'll see some really big movement here and um, understanding more and uh, in terms of research. I love it. Happy your weddings with a cannabis wedding cake. <laughs> Autumn, you are coming back on Tech Rev with a whole episode like we did last year, a whole episode on cannabis. You'll help me put together a panel. I'll email you later today. we got to do this. There's so much. Now I have to read the predictions from Nili Sadies at the Hackett Group. Number one, finance will come into its own as a front office function. Nili says in 2020, finance will emerge as a trusted peer and business co-pilot. She says to succeed, companies will need to leverage growing access to enterprise-wide data and modern planning systems to elevate the budgeting process to more strategic levels and join business leadership in formulating strategy and designing execution roadmaps. In the Hackett Group's 2020 Key Issues study, 74% of finance respondents said their objective for 2020 is to become a trusted business advisor. Prediction number two, over half of the respondents to a Hackett Group study said their companies have either adjusted budget or created recession contingency plans. Finance this year will be focused on developing enterprise resilience by pivoting from historical data perspective to running scenario analyses and embracing predictive analytics techniques. In their research and work with clients, Hackett Group sees a move away from what happened and why toward what is going to happen and how to address it. The data shows an aggressive 18% year-over-year growth in the adoption of advanced analytics solution in 2020 versus 2019. And Nilly's third prediction, finance will accelerate its rate of digital transformation. A recent Hackett Group survey found that only 26% of finance functions have a mature digital strategy with the complementary initiatives to execute it. For the first time in a decade, we see finance planning to spend more on technology, wow, as a percent of its budget and more of its IT budget on the development of new capabilities. The IT spending trend has been flatter declining for a decade. In 2029, finance allocated 15% of its budget to IT. By 2019, it went down to 10%. She says certainly some of that reflects the decline in IT cost as legacy systems were phased out and replaced with modernized solutions. But becoming digitally savvy requires incremental IT investment and finance is finally taking the necessary steps. Thank you, Nilly. We say shalom to you in Israel. Let me quickly find out what you were drinking on New Year's Eve. Tiago first, then Autumn, and then I got to move to my next segment. So, Tiago, what was in your, your cup on New Year's Eve? Anything fun? Um, yes. Um, I got a 19-year-old Macallan from my friend, which usually we don't get in the United States. It was like a special Ooh. gift from my friend from Scotland. So we got a good time. Beautiful. Autumn Shelton, I should say, what were you drinking? But I don't know what you were doing on New Year's Eve. So what was your favorite imbibing? You, you tell me. <laughs> well, I, did, I just had a baby two months ago. So oh. I was definitely splurging and enjoyed um, a nice glass of Dom Perignon on New Year's Eve. Mazel tov on the baby, and we're gonna and you're gonna make Thank time you. for me. We're gonna do a whole show on on predictions yes, on cannabis absolutely. soon. 
I will email you later. We got to do that. Thank you to both of you. Happy New Year. And I'm going to move quickly to my fourth segment. Wow. We have three people. We got to squeeze in a bunch of predictions. So up first will be in a moment, Manash Saha, Associate Director at ProTivity with over 14 years of experience in SAP security, SAP cybersecurity, GRC, and digital transformation. He leads and delivers ProTivity's technology consulting services in Chicago and the Midwest. Join Olivier Ullier, PhD, a neuroscientist, president of Emotive, all caps, E-M-O-T-I-V, global leader in personalized neuroinformatics and portable neurotechnologies. He was previously the head of strategy in health and healthcare and member of the executive committee at the World Economic Forum. He writes a business column called Brain Matters in the National, and he's a regular columnist in Fortune. Check out his column, This Is Your Brain on Business. I love that. And rounding out the panel, my co producer here, my good friend and my tech guru in everything podcast and broadcast, Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast Operations at VoiceAmerica.com, World Talk Radio. He's been in the audio, video, production, and new media broadcasting space for over 20 years. He doesn't look a day over 20. What can I tell you? He loves the technology between creating, producing, syndicating, and broadcasting content, and Ryan Rock. So let's start out. I can give you each two and a half minutes. We've got to keep this tight. Manash Saha, welcome back. What are your predictions, please? Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I predict that 2020 will be a very interesting year where the technology will be the key word on the mantra will be innovation and enablement to the business. Saying that, the first thing that comes to my mind is digital debit. Like companies like Facebook, cryptocurrency, Libra is expected to be completely fleshed out mm-hmm. and sync with government regulation by 2020. So cryptocurrency gains strong credibility and digital payment system like Google Pay and Amazon Pay grow in use, traditional banking will lose its ground unless they crave out the adoption to grow in the space to grow the digital transaction sources. And I don't think it's any coincidence that banks like Bank of America are gathering their blockchain patents. That will be my first. Second mm-hmm. one is around data privacy. Ever mm-hmm. since the European uh, Union came up with the GDPR, tightened the bolts on privacy and data protection law, business and consumer alike have become more aware of their vulnerabilities to data breach and cyber attack. Even as per Gartner, by, 20, by 2020, nearly 70% of the organizations will be exposed to personal data archiving. That's like a 60% growth since 2018, which when the number was just 10%. And in fact, imaging technology like cryptocurrency will be one of those upcoming technologies that are yet to be compliant with privacy law. And insertion of personal data into public blockchain can be a major worry for 70% of public blockchains by 2020. Uh, As a result of this entire ecosystem based on data-driven technologies, it is constantly growing in its interconnection in a key tech trend that business can benefit from by forging, forging early on partnerships. And the last one will be autonomous driving or autonomous vehicle. And we have already heard companies like Tesla, Alphabet, and Wamo. And the one thing in common is that they are working on building out the entire autonomous vehicle. The idea of driverless car is itself generates a considerable amount of excitement. Even so much so, the, tech, uh, the Tesla chief, Elon Musk, already has the future design of autonomous vehicle Mm. and aims to go big in this industry. 
functions like automated braking, lane mm-hmm. changing as automation of other in-car systems are, are on, the, on its way to get streamlined, driven by data analytics and capturing of data. That will be my prediction. Manash, thank you. I love that you threw in Tesla and that. I don't think we've had any automotive predictions yet today. Now let's move to Le Professeur Olivier Oulier, PhD, neuroscientist at Emotive. Olivier, welcome, and please let's have, I can give you two and a half minutes. What do you see in the crystal ball? 2020 will finally see the advent of the intelligent and personalized workplace. We're going to finally move from employees having to adapt to fixed work environments to work environments that are going to dynamically and in real time be able to adapt to how the employees feel, how tired they are, how performant they are. And this thanks to one thing, a better understanding of what makes us who we are, the human brain and the integration of neural technologies and neuroscientific data collected in real time and algorithms that allow to measure attention and distraction in the workplace in order to inform the employer, inform the employee and the system about the level of stress of people, their level of distraction, so that we can improve wellness in the workplace. We can Mm -hmm. personalize learning. We can improve safety and performance. It is about time that we stop functioning in workplaces in a one-size-fits-all way. The fact that the workload, the work schedule, the physical and social work environments, all the same for everyone, is non-acceptable. We are all different, and there is no longer an excuse not to leverage the knowledge, the science of neuroinformatics and neurotechnologies in order to improve people's brain health. Not mental health, which is reactive, but brain health. There is no healthcare without brain healthcare. There is no health mm-hmm. without brain health, and there will be no wellness in the workplace without brain wellness. That's my prediction for 2020. Thank you. So important. Nobody talks about that, Olivier. I'm so happy you brought it up. I'm going to get you back. We'll do a whole show on that, on predictions. Would you like to do that with me this year? Say yes. Of course. And everybody's going to talk about that next week in Davos. I can tell you I'm going there. And the World Economic Forum is one of the biggest proponents and supporters of improving wellness and brain health in the workplace. It's coming. Fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll send you a date. We'll help me put together a, a panel of three or four people, and we'll talk about brain health. Huge topic. Thank you. And rounding out this panel, don't go away, Manash and uh, and um, uh, Olivier. Wait, we're going to finish up with you. Ryan Treasure, VP Broadcast Operations, and the voice of the now, now, now at the introduction to the show. Ryan, we're starting the first full year of Tech Rev, the future of now. Welcome. And what are your predictions, Ryan? You've got two minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bonnie. I really appreciate it. It's been a a wonderful time working with you this last year on Technology Revolution. I'm happy to be on today. And, you know, I'm going to stay in the wheelhouse here with, uh, you know, podcasting and broadcasting. And uh, we all saw a huge surge in podcasting in 2019 with over 750,000 podcasts in the mix. And uh, I'm going to predict that that's going to continue to grow uh, 2020. Mm -hmm 
going to be a, a great year and fun things for us to watch as uh, Apple and Spotify start to battle it out on who's the king of podcast and uh, started to see some uh, maneuvers by Spotify at the end of 2019 to kind of start that platform war, as you as you say. Uh, and then, of course, I think just in addition to those platform wars that you'll be seeing, you're going to start to see uh, a lot of differentiation in styles and types of podcasts and content created around audio. Uh, and seeing people like Hollywood and uh, filmmakers get into creating documentary-based podcasts and entertaining-based podcasts, almost taking it back to the 1950s when we used to listen to The Shadow Knows uh, and mm-hmm. some types of things. So I think that there's definitely a prediction in, in those types of uh, entertaining-based content uh, factors. And then, of course, uh, one of the things I think that's really going to grow exponentially is you're going to see more people doing live podcasting or live broadcasting that goes to podcast on social media sites like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and some of those places as well, uh, as the visual component of podcast is really starting to emerge in 2020. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we see that here ourselves at Voice America. And so those are my three predictions for the podcast broadcast space and looking forward to making 2020 one of the best years uh, in in the technology side. And of course, uh, always the advertising possibilities in podcasts continue to rise. And uh, I see that uh, holding steady and jumping maybe even 15 to 20 percent in 2020. Wow. Ryan, do you think we're going to be adding a video component to TechRev this show by the end of 2020? Could we actually see who's talking and, and stream that in addition to the audio on Voice America? What do you think? I think it's 100% doable. I've got my lipstick ready and my red hair is flaming. We're ready to go. Thank you. Quickly, Manaj Saha Protivity, what were you drinking on New Year's Eve? Anything fun? Oh, me and my wife, we took a trip to Napa Valley for the first time and... Uh... We were out there at the Silver Oak uh, winery, so it was all Silver Oak Cabernet in our glass. Lovely. Good cab for New Year's. Professor Olivier Oulier, what was in your drink for New Year's? Anything special? Um, a very, very special one-liter glass bottle of my favorite soda, which is really hard to find. And the day after, I went to run for more than an hour in order to get rid of the calories. <laughs> what was the name of the soda? Can you tell us the brand? Well, of course, Coca-Cola. Classic. <laughs> I love Coca-Cola. I have a six-pack of bottles that somebody from the Coca-Cola company sent me after being on a radio show. Glass but bottles. It's, glass it's so bottles. old, I don't, know, I don't know if it's still any good. Ryan Treasure, what was in your glass on New Year's Eve? I know you're with your family. What were you drinking? Yeah, you know, I live in the Southwest, and uh, we love Mexican food and all things in the Spanish heritage. And so I actually had what's called a michelada, which is a beer mm. that put uh, you put tomato juice or oh, yeah. uh, clamato in, uh, and they're absolutely oh. fantastic. And, of course, uh, we were mixing it up with a little tequila. Ooh, very, very nice. Well, I won't tell you what I was drinking on New Year's Eve because I don't remember. It might have been just some <laughs> – I was still conscious. It was still a little bit of, of, of light eggnog. But I will tell you, my prediction is that I'm starting a Latin music band rehearsing here in my home once a week, and it's called Red Mango. And there will be more about that. We'll talk about that on the radio during the year. All Latin music. I have a wonderful singer who plays the congas, and he uh, speaks native Spanish, and we're just going to have a blast. So my prediction is more 
more music for Radio Red, and I'm also known as AKA Chick Drummer, and a lot more radio, a lot more radio here on Voice America. That's my prediction. Ryan Treasure, thank you for being my co-producer and being the voice of Tech Rev. I love the now, now, now. And thank you to my Nerves of Steel engineer, the one and only Aaron Keller at Voice America, and a shout-out to Jeff Spinard, CEO, President, and Visionary at Voice America. Jeff, we're going to have a fabulous year. So everybody, remember, and by the way, we had 58 guests on five weeks of prediction specials. It's not a world's record for prediction specials, but we had 58 of them coming and telling you what they see for predictions, and we'll be inviting a lot of them back in 2020 to continue with what's going on. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, a.k.a. Radio Red. Find me on Twitter at Radio Red 777. And remember, the future of now hasn't happened yet, so do your part to make it a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh